It is officially week one of the NFL season. We're talking Packers, Vikings preview. And will the Twins do it? Or are they doing it to us again? All that and more on Superior Sports Talk. Carol 11 sports anchor Reggie Wilson covers the Twin City sports scene nonstop. Luke Inman is ready to put him on the hot seat. That's what you got to do to me. Instant analysis. Yanked. Out you go. Post-game breakdowns and red-hot takes. The Timberwolves need a stitch. Reggie and Luke give you a daily dose of Minnesota sports with Superior Sports Talk, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. And it starts now. Luke Inman out today. Sam Ekstrom in from the Ron Johnson Show. Joining Reggie Wilson this morning of Care 11 Sports. It is Superior Sports Talk on Locked On Sports Minnesota. Make sure you're subscribed to us on YouTube. Get all of our videos from all of our shows, and that includes the Ron Johnson Show, the Minnesota Football Party, and our instant reaction postcasts after every game. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or to the YouTube channel. Reggie, good morning. Uh, hope you had a good Labor Day weekend. We've got Vikings Packers to talk about, and we're going to be talking about it all week here on Lockdown Sports Minnesota. So I, I want to slow play it a little bit, Reggie. I don't want to get predictions today. I don't want to want to give everybody everything right off the top, but I'm looking at some of the storylines that are just coming out now as this week gets going. I think a big one already is David Bakhtiari. Um, they've written on ESPN that he hopes to play in this game. But to me, it does not sound definitive. Um, we won't know until we get that injury report on Wednesday really where he's at. But I'm already looking at the left tackle spot for the Green Bay Packers. Is that somewhere that uh, that Zedarius Smith can exploit without Bakhtiari, or is he going to be playing in this game? So early week injury news I think is pretty big heading into Vikings-Packers, Reggie. Yeah, I was reading a little bit about uh, David Bakhtiari's injury. Three knee surgeries since December of 2020. He played in Not that good. one game last year, 27 snaps. Uh, just really activated, you know, um, after training camp. He said he's been participating in 11-on-11 drills. So he feels that he can play the season. He just feels like it's going to be him managing all season. What it sounds like is he has some type of chronic like knee injury that he's just going to continue to, you know, be in the trainer's room about getting treatment on week after week, but he feels like it's something that he could, you know, manage uh throughout the season. That's not all that encouraging if I'm a Packers fan. You're just like, well, like he's like our top flight left tackle. And I'm really not sure what we're going to get from him week to week. And he talked about how, you know, there will be a little bit of rust and things like that coming back from an injury of that magnitude and, and missing the time that he has missed, you know, pretty much all of last season. And so that's going to be something that I feel like whether he's out there or not, he's not going to be the, the guy that we have come to know you know, for his elite left tackle play uh, throughout his career. And so I do think that that's going to be something that Zadarius or Daniil, uh is going to be able to exploit come Sunday. And, you know, these guys are, you know, you got Zadarius Smith motivated to play against his former team. You got Daniil Hunter motivated because there's so many people talking about, you know, hey, he's got the injury history the last two seasons, not being able to play. And he's excited to come back. 
and he's rearing back to to really get after it this Sunday. And so you got two highly motivated guys coming at some 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 left tackle play that could be a little sketchy on Sunday. I think they are excited about this matchup. Yeah, I'm looking at the Packers offensive line, Reggie. I'm not convinced their offensive line is that much better than the Vikings, if it is at all. Mm. Uh, let, let's say the Bakhtiari's healthy. Let's say he plays. This is their offensive line as projected. John Runyon, left guard. He's a mm -hmm. six-round pick out of 2020. Josh Myers, second-round pick last year. Royce Newman, fourth-round pick last year. And then Elton Jenkins. We know he's good. He's their right tackle. That interior does not strike a lot of confidence in me. Maybe I'm the misinformed right. one, but we got a bunch of young guys. That Do we know whether they're even good or not? I don't know if Royce Newman is good. I don't know if John Runyon is is good at this point. Um, and the Vikings counter with Ezra was. Cleveland. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's that's a good tidbit. Um, <laughs> Vikings counter with – and by the way, I think I think Wyatt Davis's dad, didn't he play for the Packers at one point too? And he's gone now. He's no longer mm. in the picture. Um, yeah. But – but no, but Ezra Cleveland, Garrett Bradbury, and the rookie Ed Ingram, I mean, I think that you could at least stack up those interiors and say, eh, the, you know, if Garrett Bradbury takes a step, the Vikings could be right there in terms of protection with Green Bay. And you know what's interesting is so many people called for the Vikings to make a move to upgrade at the center position, and they did not do it. And it wasn't that they were scared because Kwesi showed that he ain't scared you know, four trades in 10 days uh, with this team. If you felt like they needed to improve, they would have done that. So I think they do have some confidence that Garrett Bradbury, you know, you're talking about a guy that doesn't need any extra motivation for playing on Sunday and this season. The Vikings didn't extend the fifth-year option on you. So what more do you need to, to show and prove that not only you can play for this team, but you can play in this league at a high level? You are a starter at the center position in this league. And I do kind of agree with you there. It's like, I don't know if maybe they're even because you look at the interior for the Vikings and you're like, well, not really sure, you know, what to expect from Ed Ingram. You know that, you know, he battled and, you know, the guy that he was behind ended up getting traded. That's how good that he showed himself to be to move up to that right guard one spot. And so there's question mark at the center position. You know, if you look at left tackle to left tackle, right tackle to right tackle between the Vikings and the Packers, I do think maybe you give the, the edge to the Vikings just because, you know, you're excited about Darisaw. He's younger. He's, he's you know, developing. You got a, a rusty and, and a coming back from injury uh, Bakhtiari. Then on the right side, you know, Brian O'Neill is one of the best right tackles in football. And then you talk about Jenkins from the Packers. You may remember against the the Vikings in November, he tore his ACL. And so he's coming back from injury as well. And uh, Coach, LaFle Coach LaFleur was not really all that committal. He wasn't really trying to show his hand on whether or not Jenkins was going to be out there on Sunday. You expect him to be. But, you know, you're a big guy just toward the ACL in November. Like, that's not an easy thing to come back from at, the, at that size. You see the struggles that even Bakhtiari has had from his knee injury. And so, you know, it's not just a given that, you know, a, 
a guy like Jenkins is going to be similar to an Adrian Peterson or something where they can come back, you know, quickly from a, a torn ACL like that. Mm-hmm. And so I think if you had to, you know, tie my hands behind my back and make me choose, I think I would give the Vikings the edge just because some of the guys that they have are a little bit more known commodities, have a little bit more upside than some of the guys the Packers are throwing out there. That being said, protecting Aaron Rodgers, there is no greater motivation than doing that. And, you know, if if Rodgers isn't getting what he wants, you know, he will say something. And he's not afraid to say something publicly, so they will get that thing fixed. Yeah, it feels like the Vikings are definitely the healthier group going into this game. Mm -hmm. And I think this is sort of turning into our talk about the trenches here. I mean, if we're going to talk about the offensive line, we got to think about who's attacking right? I mean, we, yeah. there's Daniil Hunter and Zadarius Smith on one side. On the other side, mm-hmm. you've got Devondre Campbell, Rashawn Gary, Kenny Clark up the middle. When, when you handicap those position groups for Vikings and Packers, Reggie, I mean, which, which one instills more fear in you if you're an offensive lineman uh, where you've got Hunter and Smith and then Preston Smith, uh, like, like I said, Gary Campbell on the other side for Green Bay? Look, no disrespect to Green Bay and the guys that they're, you know, bringing out. They they got some dudes, like, no doubt about it. But I've actually seen these guys that the Vikings are throwing out there up close. When you talk about that linebacking unit of Smith, Kendricks, Hicks, Hunter, like, I mean, freaking Daniil Hunter looks like an Adonis. Like, the dude is just like a, a, a Greek god or something. He He's just a physical freak. And if the two bookends are healthy, I keep saying it. They are two guys that I believe could be two double-digit sack guys in the league. The Vikings yeah. led the league in sacks last year. If these two guys are healthy, you man, like, You're talking about a guy who could have 13, 14 sacks on one side and another guy who can have 13, 14 sacks on the other side. And then you're looking at two guys that are steady in the middle, you know, with Kendricks and and Hicks. And you got Tomlinson on the line. You got Big Harry on the the line as well. Not really sure what you're going to get from Blacklock, but you know those other two, you're going to get some solid play. You know, there's familiarity with the 3-4 with Tomlinson, familiarity with Harrison Phillips. He showed some flashes in the preseason that he's going to be special this, this season coming over from the Bills. Man, I like those guys. And I know, like, look, the Packers went all in on defense, especially early in the draft. And that's going to be something that they feel like is going to be their calling card this season. But looking at what the, the Vikings are throwing out there, and just the talent, the sheer talent that they have on that defensive side of the ball. I don't believe guys like Eric Kendricks get enough credit. He's got one all-pro season, but you can make the case that he should have been an all-pro in a couple other years as well. Like, the guy is just solid, steady. He had a great season last year. And Hicks, 100-plus tackles, and all of a sudden you get cut. Like, what type of player has that type of production from the defensive backfield that you see end up out of a job like that's that's kind of crazy and so if you're looking at that front that front seven eight will go there yeah between both teams i think i give the vikings the edge and i'm not just saying that because we live in minnesota 
Yeah, no, it's going to be fierce. I think both defenses have plenty of talent, and I, I don't know if I love the mm -hmm. Vikings' depth, but, I mean, yeah. injuries have really decimated them in previous years. But I think if they stayed healthy this year, I think there's a reason to believe that that, that front could sort of invigorate the defense and get them back to at least mid-pack, maybe not where they were in the, the prime of Mike Zimmer. Um, but they've all, the Packers also have a couple first-round picks that will probably play in this game. Quay Walker, the mm -hmm. linebacker, and Devontae Wyatt, the defensive lineman, too. So a couple new faces on that Green Bay defense yet to be determined how good they actually are. Uh, I want to talk, Reggie, with you about who has the advantage here with this new Vikings coaching staff. Is it an advantage that the Packers haven't seen them before or a disadvantage that the Vikings just don't have a lot of reps in this new scheme? But before we get into that argument, Built Bar has a brand new product. They've done it again with their cookie dough chunk puffs that have light, mm. chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks, and of course covered 100% in real chocolate. So it's all the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it. And there's 15 grams of protein in them. Run to Built.com and snag a box for you and for the fam. It's a perfect treat. It uh, gives you energy. It's good for you. You can find a good hiding place if you want to hoard them to yourself. Put them in the back of your sock drawer. Uh, the new Cookie Dough Chunk Puffs, again, 100% real chocolate, healthy, tasty. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKEDON15, and get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKEDON15 for the Built Bar Cookie Dough Chunk Puffs. And a reminder as well, Reggie, that people have to check out um, our podcast, wherever you get your podcast, Locked on Sports Minnesota. Subscribe, if you please. Leave a five-star rating and review. And on YouTube, Locked on Sports Minnesota. Like this video and leave a comment down below. It helps other people find the show. All right, Reggie, Vikings Packers Sunday. This is the first time we will see the real version of Kevin O'Connell's scheme. I think it's the mm -hmm. difference between black and white TV in the preseason and color TV now <laughs> in the regular season. We're going to see this thing, how it's really meant to be run. The Packers have not seen it. And obviously LaFleur being McVeigh guy himself, he can guess. I mean, he can predict how this is going to look based on the way other coaches from that tree have operated. But I don't think anybody really knows the intricacies of what's going to be unveiled on Sunday. So Reggie, does that give the Vikings a distinct advantage in this game, or is there just naturally going to be sort of an acclimation process where everybody's a little uncomfortable on the Vikings because they've never seen it themselves either, and they're doing it for the first time? Who has the advantage in this case? So this is an interesting question. I will say that the Vikings have the advantage here, and they do have a unique opportunity to come out and jump on these guys early the question for me is were the reps at training camp and subsequent practices enough you remember during the COVID year we didn't see any preseason games and and teams just went out there and did their thing and they didn't necessarily practice against a lot of other teams as well because the the COVID protocols and the teams went out there and still balled out there were new teams with new coaches and all that, and, and they still did what they had to do. What was interesting is a lot of play, like the Packers, Aaron Rodgers talked about how 
they didn't necessarily need to play in any preseason games. They get more from practices than they do in the preseason games. And I hardly ever really understood that just because, like, especially if they didn't practice against any other teams, like, how are you just measuring yourself when all you're doing is playing against yourself? And so you're like, okay, I guess. But if you look at it, the Packers have, you know, what is thought to be one of the top defenses in the foot in all of the NFL. The offense gets to play against those guys every week in practice. So I guess that's a pretty good measuring stick of where they are. They they roll out some things that, you know, will try to catch defenses off guard. You know, watching hard knocks these last few weeks, like they really do challenge each other and they take it competitively. I was watching how the, the offensive coordinator for the Lions was really like fired up because Aaron Glenn said that they were going to come after them on defense. And he's just like, all right, come on, bring it. And Jared Goff yeah. is just out there just slinging Those it around. Those coaches trash just, talk so much on that team. Yeah, think. yeah, just slinging it around, making Aaron Glenn just get so upset. He's just throwing fits over there on the sideline because Jared Goff looks so good in these um, in these drills and, and these practices going full speed. And so you look at it and you're like, well, you know, I know we saw Kirk Cousins throw quite a few interceptions. Maybe they were trying some things out. You know, so we we don't know exactly what the Vikings are going to look like, but I think they do because they've been running these plays. They've been doing these drills. They've been, you know, playing together for so long that they understand going into week one what their objective is and what they're trying to do. What I, I am uh, interested to see is just how much – you know, Kevin O'Connell is going to mix it up and, and be aggressive. Last season, the Vikings had a tough time sustaining drives. We saw so many three and outs. We saw so many times where Kirk Cousins dropped back on third and long because first and second down put them way behind the chains. And, you know, third and 12, third and 13, 14, he's passing for six or seven yards and they're punting. We saw that so many times last year. I asked Kevin O'Connell, how he planned to really kind of change the narrative, to change the approach so that they weren't so behind the chains on third downs. And he talked about getting more positive plays moving forward so that there are shorter uh, distances on third downs that they can convert those and keep the chains going. And so I'm interested to see, you know, he's been a lot of talk. You know, he's saying all the right things, doing all the right things from a, a you know, vision standpoint. But we want to see with our vision them actually put it into play on the football field against the Packers. And so I do think that that could give them an advantage against the Packers. But I just don't know, like, you know, how aggressive is he going to be at, you know, taking his deep shots down the field? How often is he going to run the ball, you know, with mm -hmm. Dalvin Cook? Like, how often is he going to employ the backside of the backfield? and get them involved in the passing game. Like, there are so many things that we don't know, that they know, that I think they are excited about exploiting. Like, how are they going to get Irv Smith Jr. involved into the offense after missing pretty much, you know, most of training camp and all of the preseason? Like, there are so many things that we don't know, but we just kind of have to trust mm -hmm. that they've been working on these things all camp, 
and all preseason long to get things together because what we've seen, you know, from them in these preseason games is probably not even an eighth or ninth of what this offense, you know, can do and will do come week one. I'm just, I'm excited, but as a fan, you're probably like a little bit just guarded with your excitement just because you're just like, I I don't know what to expect. I don't know what it's going to look like. Well, I can, I can tell you why fans would be guarded. Reggie, I covered the entire Zimmer era of this team. So I saw Norv, Pat mm-hmm. Shermer, and that was a midseason mm-hmm. change. Then it was uh, John Filippo, Then it was Kevin Stefanski, another midseason change. Then it was uh, mm-hmm. Gary Kubiak. Then it was Clint Kubiak. All of these play callers lived in fear of Zimmer, and they did Zimmer's mm. work as a run-first play caller. So every time there was something new, it was hard to get excited about it as a fan because you knew yeah. that this was not truly their offense. This was Mike Zimmer's will, you know, manifesting through the lips of Kevin Stefanski or Clint Kubiak. Um, mm-hmm. So you could never really expect there to be anything exciting or surprising because they were always going to, I think, revert to sort of that ground and pound conservative approach. That's why nobody right. nobody was really batting an eye when Clint Kubiak took over. Like, oh, this young coordinator is going to be exciting. No, no one could feel that way. And it wasn't exciting. It was pretty tough to watch, actually. KOC yeah. has been given an amazing gift. Like, rarely do new head coaches inherit this much talent on offense. Usually when you're yep. a new coach, you're taking over a team that was bad, that didn't have any answers on offense, that, that needed to rebuild. KOC has inherited a wealth of riches. Um, So for him to be able to employ them right away, I guess it's going to be interesting to see if he's a good play caller, you know, how, like whether he's play sequencing when, when the live bullets are flying, how is he going to handle sort of those those hurry up moments? Um, Because I would say he didn't show his hand much in the preseason at all, Reggie. And that's going to be a question like, yeah, yeah. Has he really done this in a real setting before and the answer is is no i mean i wouldn't say that preseason is is anything like regular season where every single play is important um so that's going to be huge and you know maybe you can draw some inspiration from matt lafleur who you know just went out and won 13 games his first year as head coach no big deal um so clearly it can be done when you inherit good talent on the offensive side of the ball like lafleur did and now like koc is as well uh, we got the Gimme One segment coming up. Some more football topics in here. We'll toss in some twins as well after their uh, loss in New York yesterday. But first, a reminder to check out our postcasts after each and every Vikings, Wolves, Wild, and Twins game. You can check out Luke Braun and me. We'll be uh, doing a live YouTube podcast after the Vikings-Packers game. Brandon Warren and Nash Walker, they've got every Twins game recapped on YouTube. Subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota. And Reggie, it's time for Gimme One. I've got the prompt, and you're going to Gimme One. Prompt number one, Twins baseball. Uh, They snap a losing streak by beating the White Sox on Sunday. A nice bounce-back win, actually, to tie the Guardians for the division lead. They go to New York, where Twins teams go to die, and they lose 5-2. to Aaron (laughs) Judge goes goes deep. Marwin Gonzalez goes deep. And uh, the bullpen sort of flounders in that one. So three more against the Yankees. Reggie, and I'm sure you've only been here a couple of years, but I'm sure you've heard the horror stories of yeah. fight or uh, of twins and Yankees going back two decades. So, is there? Give me one reason 
to believe that the Twins will exit Yankee Stadium with at least one win in this series? It's hard to say that. It's hard to say that. (laughs) I, I, I will say, I will say, if you look at the Twins over the last couple weeks, you know, the, the series against the White Sox was a little disheartening considering, you know, they had a chance to really kind of stretch their their lead against them and then also overtake Cleveland in the division. And they, they couldn't get it done, uh, losing two out of three. That was tough. That was tough. But you see the winning streak that they went on, you know, in the series prior, in the couple series prior, and you're just like, oh, okay, like, you know, maybe maybe they can do something. So I guess if you draw on the totality of what this team has looked like over the last couple of weeks, you do give them the benefit of the doubt that maybe they can steal one, at least one, against the Yankees leaving there. And, you know, the, the pitching has been better. It's not encouraging at all that Mally ended up back on the injured list. You're just like, dang, man, like. Ugh. And if you follow, like, I followed Mally um in Cincinnati uh my -hmm. last job and this was kind of what happened with him as well it was always like man this dude is really talented but for some reason he'd have like these little nicks and dings that would keep him out of games and and keep him from you know being out there and you're just like dang man if he can only just stay healthy it'll be all good but I think if you look at guys like Sonny Gray uh you look at guys like um, Joe Ryan, guys that can kind of anchor that pitching staff. You know, Dylan Bundy is pitched solid. You know, Archer, you know, for, for all that, you know, has been said about him, he wasn't bad yesterday. It just, you know, just things didn't didn't necessarily go his way at times. And so that part was tough. But, like, you do draw some encouragement from the pitching staff. And then the bats weren't necessarily dead. You know, I think when they came out yesterday and got down to the Yankees, it was just like, oh, man, here we go. And then Sanchez comes out and ties the game with that bomb, and you're just like, okay, you know, the Twins are are playing a little bit. So I think they have some life in them, and I think that's reason enough to believe that they can get out of there with at least a win. But anytime you start talking about Twins and and you start talking about them losing already in a series against the Yankees, that doesn't necessarily inspire confidence. And how about just that the Yankees have been pretty bad since the All-Star break? They've been mm-hmm. abysmal. I've never seen such such polarity between the first and second half of a season like I have with these Yankees. People were talking about 120 wins. And suddenly, you know, the Astros and the Dodgers and the, the Braves and the Mets, like they're getting passed by everybody. And uh, yeah. and they're actually having to sort of look in the rearview mirror at Tampa and say, do we have to actually fight our way to this division title? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the way it's gone for New York. Aaron Judge, Judge is the only one hitting for them. Um, yeah. So I think if the Twins win a game in this series, maybe the, the bats just go silent. Um, I have one good stat from Bob Nightingale before we move on. Last 39 innings for the Yankees, Aaron Judge, Eight hits, two doubles, four homers, four ribbies, five runs scored. Rest of team, seven hits, one double, two wow. homers, four ribbies, three runs scored. So Judge, it's Judge carrying them literally yeah. on his back. He's got 54 home runs, and he might wow. uh, break the Yankees' all-time record in home runs in a single season. 
Reggie, wow. give me one college football takeaway from the weekend. So the people listening, hope, hopefully you don't hate me for this, but my one takeaway from the weekend is, man, aren't you glad college football is back? Like, just some of the games that we've seen, uh, talking about the, the Pitt game, the, uh, the Penn State game, even last night with Clemson, uh, LSU, Florida State, like all these games that you're just like, wow, like, ah, it feels good that college football is back. Like, that's, that's really my only takeaway because I don't think you saw enough to say like, oh, man, like, this team is going to run away with it. You know, Ohio State was solid. You know, Bama did what Bama does. Georgia, I mean, good Lord, Georgia came out and, and looked dominant against Oregon. That was pretty impressive. Maybe maybe Stetson Bennett is going to be the real deal this season and really just kind of lead them towards, you know, championship aspirations yet again. You know, maybe that was the, the one, like, super-duper impressive thing. Uh, Notre Dame's defense is is for real. You know, Ohio State usually comes out and, and does, you know, some things to opponents to start the season. And they got, you know, C.J. Stroud back there. He's a Heisman favorite. You know, Mayan Williams uh, back there uh, as, as running back. I covered him in high school in Cincinnati. You know, they, they've got some guys, but Notre Dame looks like they are going to not necessarily miss a beat. Uh, losing uh, Brian Kelly to LSU. And funny enough, my Mizzou Tigers, Luther Burden is going to be a star in college football. It, they they employed him kind of like um, Debo Samuel with the 49ers. Like the dude can just do everything out there. He is the real deal wide receiver one for Mizzou. That being said, they do play K-State. Uh, this weekend, and Kansas State is quietly going to bid, I think, to win the Big 12. I, one of my best friends mm. um, is a K-State grad, and he said that he is as high on this team as he's been in a very long time, and they are expected to be really talented with Martinez now coming over from Nebraska as their starting quarterback. So I think this weekend is going to be a, a litmus test for them as far as, like, you know where they are, and it's a it's a roller coaster ride with me and Mizzou every year. But we'll see. Uh, Cincinnati college football playoff team not mm -hmm. necessarily looking all that great against Arkansas. They got a quarterback situation going on with former Mister Ohio uh, football Evan Prater and Ben Bryant transferring back to the program. He got the start in the game. It took them a while to get going, and so. You know, they may see themselves fall out of the top 25 after the loss to Arkansas last weekend. Just a lot of cool things going on that really just leads me to the statement, thank God college football is back. We all missed it. Well, if you get to talk about your alma mater, then I'm going to talk about mine. The NAIA Dort College Defenders come up with a 35-13 win over uh, Briarcliff, and I, I already messed it up because they're actually not a college anymore. They're a university, so the Dort University oh, defenders. Cade uh, McDaniel, 9 of 21, 184 yards. So not very accurate, but he did throw two touchdowns. Um, yeah, big win for my for my Dort defenders. Got All the right. Dub. 
all that matters. That got the dub. That's all, and they got number one Morningside coming up this Saturday. That's <laughs> going to be huge. I'm going to be dialed in. One okay. more. Give me one, Reggie. NFL starts on Thursday. Bills, Rams. Underrated NFL team entering the season. Give me one. So I talked about this with Luke, too. If Zach Wilson had not have gotten hurt, I would have picked the Jets just coming off the draft that they had, some of the moves that they've made in free agency as well, just bringing over a lot of pieces. Man, that Jets team has some talent. If they can kind of put it together with Robert Sala, that's going to be a team that's scary. Uh, but I think the team that I feel like is going to be underrated this season I think the Lions are an easy choice just because, you know, the hard knocks thing, they're building the hype and all that good stuff. Here's my team. You ready, Sam? The New Orleans yes. Saints. The New Orleans mm. Saints. Jameis Winston's okay. coming back. Uh, Alvin Kamara is, you know, doing his thing. He and, and Ingram are back together again in that backfield. The last time they were, you know, together for a full season, they did some very, very, like, elite things back there together if Jameis you know is healthy and he can kind of limit his turnovers and some of the bonehead plays that Jameis does because he's Jameis Winston man that offense can hum you got Michael Thomas coming back they drafted Chris Olave Jarvis Landry is there you got two top flight running backs like they are quietly going to be a scary football team on offense. And then you look at the defensive end. You know, it was a weird deal. They traded uh, C.J. Gardner uh, to the Eagles. That was weird because he was supposed to be, you know, their, their other starting safety. But they did go out and sign Tyron Matthew to kind of shore up some of that back end of that defense. And you got one of the best cornerbacks in football. You got one of the best defensive linemen in football. Uh, approaching 100 plus sacks we're talking about Cameron Jordan and you're you you've got some talent on that team I think they probably aren't going to win the division because I think Tampa is going to be by far you know the class of the NFC but you talk about a team that you do not want to play next season I say it's the New Orleans Saints and the the Vikings are going to have to contend with them I'm going to go Eagles, the Vikings' week two okay. opponent. I, I think that Hurts is probably sitting on an improvement. I think that he's got another weapon now in A.J. Brown to go with Devontae Smith, Miles Sanders, Dallas Goddard. I like that offense. Um, that defense is getting better. They draft big Jordan Davis in the first round. Mm. I think their defensive front is going to be pretty fierce. So I like Philadelphia to contend in that NFC East. I think Dallas is still the class, and they still have Dak. But look out for Philly, and the Vikings will have to look out for them Monday night, the 19th of September. Uh, that's Superior so two, Sports Talk. So two Vikings for... opponents. So we, we, we yeah, both have yikes. two Vikings. You, you week two, me week four. And uh -huh. you, London. You just made a big mistake, though, Sam. You called Dallas the class of the NFC East. I don't think in the last 20 years anybody has ever said those words. Hmm. The class I think you're fooling with of the me. NFC East. The class? That's America's team, right? Sheesh. Sheesh. That's a class they haven't done jack squat in, in 
in years. You're not wrong. In and the years. Eagles have won a Super Bowl. The Giants have won a Super Bowl. The Washington football team it gets into legal trouble. But yeah, no, you're, <laughs> you're, you're fair. You're fair to criticize Dallas. And we'll see if, uh, if McCarthy can hang on beyond this year if they don't win. Um, good talk. I'm excited for, uh, for more college football, for more NFL football this week. Uh, Luke Inman will be back in this chair tomorrow. He's Reggie Wilson. Check him out, care 11 care11.com slash locked on for all of our shows. I'm Sam Ekstrom of the Ron Johnson Show and the Minnesota Football Party. Locked on Sports Minnesota, endless Vikings talk with local ex experts. Thank you for watching today, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Be blessed. Spread love this week.